Is it true that when you made most of your films, you wouldn't take star billing? Never did. No. You never took star billing? No. Why not? Well, I think you put a burden on yourself, you know. The picture isn't any good. They say, well, why don't you get some help, you know? What do they used to say? Such and such with Bing Crosby? And like the high society with Frank Sinatra, Grace Kelly, Bing Crosby. You had third billing? Louis Armstrong. Yeah, I took the smallest I could get. And I think you last longer than I made some pictures that were terrible. If I'd have been up there all alone on the marquee, I'd have got the blame for it. To get some other names in there. They get the blame. Well, let them take some <laughs> of the blame, because I had some real eggs that I made. A couple of them I never even saw myself. In reading about you, you hear very often the same things about you. Bing is a loner. Bing has this ice curtain around. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. in the book. Yeah. Bing takes care of Bing. This picture of a man who finds it very hard to give or receive emotion. Is that you? Uh, I did kind of embarrass him. There's too much emotion. You know, I mean, I I don't know where anybody could ever conceive of me as a loner. I know more people in more walks of life I think, than probably anybody in show business. But is it hard to get through to the inside? I don't know. I don't think there's much to me to get through to, really? to find. If they, I think it's probably on the surface is what I am is apparent and obvious. And don't you think you're at all deep? No, no. Just a surface fella? Just about, yeah. I can't believe it. <laughs> I am, though. I don't have any depths or any profound philosophies or thoughts, or that's, if that's what you mean by, by depth. By March of 1954, Bing Crosby had been in the public eye for more than two decades. He had numerous hit records and won an Oscar for Best Actor in Going My Way in 1944. On radio, Bing helped usher in primetime transcription with Philco in 1946. Crosby had been on CBS radio since 1949 and sponsored by General Electric since 1952. He was reluctant to star in a regular TV show, fearing overexposure. Now, ladies and gentlemen, pursuant with our established policy of always being first with the latest, we now present the gentleman who last Thursday night won the Academy Award for the Best Supporting Actor for his performance of Maggio in the motion picture From Here to Eternity, Mr. Frank Sinatra. Thank you, Bing. Here, Frank, now, just a minute. Let me make you comfortable here. Let me take your Oscar. I'll put it over here on the table. Uh, 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 don't drop it. <laughs> what are you carrying the Oscar around for, anyhow? Well, it isn't raining, and I can't carry an umbrella. <laughs> get a cane or something. You get this thing all tarnished. Honestly, Frank, I'm certainly happy that you grabbed it. Well, it's wonderful, and I'd like to tell everyone listening that I'm really thrilled to receive this honor, Bing, and also that I'm very grateful. Well, I know you are. If I'm not me, I never lift another lasagna. <laughs> You can lift the lasagna? One at a time, never a whole dish. <laughs> well, Frank, speaking of lasagna and Lola Lola Brigida and other Italian delicacies, I'll bet there was great rejoicing at the Villa Capri last Thursday night, huh? Yeah, it's still raging. Viva la Frankie, viva la forza, Frankie. You know something, though, Bing? If what? I had lost, they were going to fry spaghetti at half mass for a whole year. Think so. Well, so much for reaction at a local restaurant. Oh, no, no, there's more. What now? Dave Chasen sent me a cake with an Oscar on it. Good old Dave. Isn't he wonderful? <laughs> Always comes through with something special for a special occasion. Now, to switch to New York, tell me, how did uh, Toots Shaw take your victory? He was delirious. That's normal for Tootsie. <laughs> 
Tootsie is 250 pounds of pure love. Well, just a dash of cognac, too. <laughs> Tell me, Frank, were you nervous when you went to the big dudes at the Pantages Theater last Thursday night? I was delirious, too, Naturally. Bing. All the excitement, the sure. searchlights, the crowds, and the glamour, and the shop staccato sound of fingernails being nibbled. Oh, yes. <laughs> the popping of General Electric flashbulbs. Oh, we must have you back. <laughs> Anytime, anytime. Now, Frank, not to intentionally bring this interesting discussion to a close, but would you like to sing a song for us now? Well, I don't know. Should I sing a song or recite something from Hamlet? <laughs> I think Hamlet might be a little ponderous, Frank, a little a heavy, ponderous. yes. Why don't you open up with something light and frothy, like the boy stood on the burning deck, then you could, you could ease into Hamlet later. What do you mean, later? Uh, at the Villa Capri, after the show. <laughs> oh, okay. The boy stood on the burning deck. <clears throat> The boy stood on the burning Don deck. Scott, quick, cue this boy into a song. The flames <laughs> leaped up around his head. <laughs> Love may be a gamble or a lead pipe cinch. Leave your heart a shambles, never give an inch. The 1954 Academy Awards were held on March 25th. That same day, RCA announced the first color television set. It was a 12-inch screen priced at $1,000, or roughly 10 grand today. On the Sunday's book ending those awards, Frank Sinatra was a guest on Bing's program. Frank would win a Best Supporting Actor Oscar from Maggio and From Here to Eternity. On this latter program from March 28th, Frank talks and jokes about his experience. The two are in rare form, especially with a trio of songs. Gets hit between the eyes. Love may be the ocean or a drop of rain, soothing as a lotion or a constant pain. You won't know what you've got till your heart's on a spot. Take a chance, take a chance, take a chance. Love may be a double or a base on balls, tiny water bubble or Niagara Falls. Though the cards in the game never turn up the same, take a chance, take a chance, take a chance. Love may be a grable or a two-ton truck, regal as a sable or a Donald Duck. But you mustn't avoid what's as basic as Freud. Take a chance, take a chance, yeah. Or it's inhumane, still without emotion or a hurricane. So remembering this, when it's close as a kiss, take a chance, take a chance on love. Here's your chance, grab that chance. That was Take a Chance, rendered by Frank Sinatra, a dramatic actor who also sings. <laughs> Very nice, Frank. You know, singing's fun. Always remember that. It may be a nice thing for you to fall back on someday. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Listen, Bing, don't get me wrong. When you do a dramatic part in a picture, you kind of change. Yeah. A whole different thing comes over you. Yes, I know. I, I won an Oscar, too, you know. 
Oh, yes, I keep forgetting that. I don't. <laughs> Forgive me, I'm still confused. You know, the crowds and the oh, gravity. yes, and the GE flashbulbs popping. I know, I know. Come to think of it, Bing, I understand that you're working in a very dramatic picture right now. Yes, matter of fact, I am working in quite a serious piece. It's called Country Girl, and uh, in the picture with me are Grace Kelly and uh, William Holden. William Holden. Mm-hmm. Say that name sounds familiar. <laughs> Good. He's the guy who grabbed the Oscar for the best actor. Oh, yes, I'm confused. I'm Crosby. <laughs> I've always wanted to meet you. I hope you're not disappointed. No, I'm confused. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, Oscar, I mean, Frank, congratulations again on your winning the award, and uh, what do you say now we run through some old tunes, you know, like we did last week? Your wish is my command. Friends, Mr. Sinatra and I will now sing a medley of three well-known selections. Till we meet again, meet me tonight in Dreamland, and there's a long, long trail. Mr. Trotter, if you please.
smooth, real silky, boy. Thank you, Bing. It was real nice working with you. You'd have to do it again. Now, I got a little business here with uh, Ken Carpenter. Uh, here I am, Bing. You seem to be awake, so I think it's safe to ask what the question for this evening is. Well, the question tonight, Bing, is uh, what is the main difference between public and private enterprise? What separates the one concept from the other? Now, rein in your horse here, partner. Before we leave the starting gate, we best uh, define our terms. Understand? Well, I'm, I'm sure we all know what private enterprise is, Bing. It's basically the system we live under here in America. Individuals manage their own affairs, their work, their spending, their saving, and investing. And public enterprise is the exact opposite? The, the state runs things instead of the individual? Uh, hmm? You hit the poodle right on the noodle, Bing. Well, you're doggone right to join in the cornfield, Ken. Uh, get him there with there. We'll get some chucking mm-hmm. down. Get a watermelon or two. Yeah. But to continue, the public enterprise system is often called collectivism. And in recent years, we've seen a whole rash of different types of collectivist states. The fascist regimes, for instance. Not to mention socialism and communism. All these states differ in certain minor ways, in the degrees of completeness of government control. And again, in the way they develop, by revolution or a gradual change and so on. Yeah, Ken, but in the main, there is one mark that identifies the collectivist or public enterprise state. And that mark is the soft peddling of personal incentive and competition. Easy to explain, too, because as the government takes charge in one field after the other, it also takes over the power of decision that was once held by the individual. And as the power of the government grows, the area of individual choice narrows. You know, Ken, a week or so ago, they held a general election in Russia. Russians all over the Soviet Union rushed eagerly to the polls. Arriving at the voting places, they were confronted by posters which read... Vote for Comrade Malenkov. The life you save may be your own. (laughs) (laughs) Were there really such posters? Well, probably not, but that was only to help illustrate the point, Ken, that in Russia, no matter who runs for office, he's the guy that wins, because he just ain't no one's going to oppose him. Well, then why do the Russians go to the polls? Gives them something to do, gets them out of the house. (laughs) He's just sitting around listening to the samovars, says he. (laughs) Big deal. (laughs) But, Ken, we've discovered certain things in the working out of our own system of private enterprise, and one is the absolute necessity of freedom for the individual. That's right, Bing, and yet there are things that only the government can do. Well, I guess you mean such things as our Army, Navy, and the Air Force. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are other things that are government-run, like the post office and uh, whole road building, public schools. Yes, and the delicate, dangerous art of dog catching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Netting the collarless pet. 
<laughs> Luring the hound to the pound. <laughs> At any rate, we found out we get along better if business is left to the people who make it tick. Workers and managers, buyers and sellers. We have a more efficient operation, more goods, finer goods at lower cost, a higher standard of living, greater progress. In other words, the people are served best, and they still have the greatest of all freedoms, the freedom to choose. But Ken, the Tempest keeps right on fidgeting here. We haven't reached a firm conclusion. Well, allow me, Bing. Our summationist is now going to sum. We've talked about private enterprise versus public enterprise, or collectivism. The difference being that in private enterprise, the individual manages his own working, spending, saving, and investing. Under a collectivist system, the government manages these activities. Now, here in America, we're essentially a private enterprise system because a free economy has proved itself to be the best for us. To sum it up in two words, it works. Can we said all that? We sure did. Well, no wonder my lower lip is sagging like the wave on a swill barrel here. But Ken, you and I and my pendulous lower lip had better take a hiatus while John Scott and his enterprising crew breeze through that old favorite, The Breeze and I, formerly Andalusia by Lacuna. The series ended on May 30th, 1954. With radio audiences in steep decline, Crosby decided against a weekly radio show. Bing's son Gary took over the time slot in June for 13 weeks. In November 1954, Bing returned to the airwaves with a weeknight 15-minute program. He spoke about all manner of different subjects and usually included three songs. Broadcasting Magazine estimated the production cost to be $2,700 per episode. Bing, you once refused to star in the Bing Crosby story. They wanted to make a story of your life, and oh, you I said think no. Be dull. Do you really? Oh, really? You think you're a dull man? Well, I think a very ordinary man. People think that I'm humble or that I'm wallowing in humility when I was being called a legend and all that. Yeah. It's just being realistic. When somebody says that, I'm so embarrassed because I know I've never done anything that merits that. When you look at things that people do, like Olivier and Burton and Newman and Redford and Jack Nicholson and all the great the singers like Tony Bennett and Sinatra and Como and the Josephs and, and the Strisons and all the things and that not they... No, I've never done anything great like those people. You don't think you're singing? Never created any excitement like those people? No. You think you're a good actor? No. What about in Country Girl? Terribly. Terrible I just do the same role, same part all the time. Do you think you deserved an Oscar for going my way? Not really, no. I think there was a lot of better performances. I think it, it was sort of a sympathetic thing. Uh, I had a lot of big records at that time. And there wasn't any real competition. Most of the good actors were away at war or something. Okay. If you were writing a book and it said Bing Crosby, and then you had to do a couple of lines afterwards mm -hmm. to describe this yeah. guy in show mm -hmm. business, what would you say? Well, I'd say he sang a fair song in, in tune most of the time. He read lines pretty good, had a good sense of comedy timing, fair vocabulary. And not a bad fellow all around. That's about it. Thank you, John. And then that was very beguiling, very Andalusian.